You are listening to the Sober Town Podcast with Sarah Malloy and Elaine Schuyler Neal. Today, we're diving into accountability in alcohol recovery. We're super excited to have you with us today. And afterward, head over to SoberTownPodcast.com for more resources to kickstart or deepen your own alcohol-free journey. I think like when you're first starting out, it feels like the fucking world is against you. It feels yeah. like you're the only one trying this thing and everybody's looking at you like you have two heads. And so it's important for you to just consume your brain with things that that go along with what you're trying to do because pretty much everywhere you turn in the world isn't. Oh, it's true. And I mean, I love that what you said about people look at you strange because especially even if we tell people that what we're going through and that they understand and they relay compassion and like support, they still don't fully get it. And it's easier for us to like kind of renege even on our own commitments. Mm -hmm. So that's why I really wanted to dig into this topic of accountability because it's completely not what I thought it was going to look like, you know, like how do you define accountability when you think word? I think it's when you suggested that we talk about it, I was like there were fireworks going off inside of me because it's more than one. Yes. It's just, it's more than one thing. It's, um, I'm going to go on a tangent. I bought like kids watches and I let them open them this weekend because I bought one for their friend too. And they go, can you give us a hint? And I go, yeah, sure. It's something you want, you need, you wear, and you read. They were stumped. And as I was taking my notes for accountability, I was like, it's something you take. It's something you hold. It's something you are. And it's something you have. Like, Mm -hmm. it's not just, it's so many different things. Would you have blown your mind if they would have said, you got us accountability? Yeah. <laughs> yes, I rubbed it. I'm going to put a bow on it for you. <laughs> so flattery. Nothing you want, you need, you wear, you read. But it's like, because you're like, let's do accountability. Like, I think it's such an important thing. And, you know, this podcast is one of the things that keeps me accountable. And when you said, keeps me accountable i was like it was so not the way i was thinking of what accountability means. absolutely so, what does accountability mean to you even though i didn't answer your question but like let me tell a story about christmas and then i'm gonna pop it back over to you i love that that was a perfect answer i love the anecdotal answer i think like in the beginning i thought of accountability as kind of some sort of potentially burdensome obligation like between myself and a group like AA and that it would be something that I would feel obligated to engage in that it would make it would feel like a bunch of roles it would feel icky it would feel imposed on me I thought that wow. was going to be about I had a very negative association with accountability but now I realize it's it's there's accountability to others there's accountability to myself And um, there's all sorts of ways that you develop it. And it's not just walking into an AA room and saying, I'll be here every day or week, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So for me, when you very first said it, to me, it meant transparency. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It meant like being accountable, being responsible for upholding the truth. Yeah. Which, I mean, now... 
I can say that that is such a gift and mm-hmm. such a gift to just live in the light, not have to lead a double life, not have to survive inside secrets and lies and what lie did I tell last time and how much wine does my husband remember being in the cabinet? You know? <laughs> yeah. What's my bank statement say? Like, it's it's this this transparency, this light that I get to live in. Oh, Maybe in the early days, it was a little scary, like that, you know, you, you have to be clear. Yeah. And you can't run. But once you start to, like, live the truth, it's mm-hmm. it's so Yeah, and I think that's refreshing why I was so averse to it in the beginning, because a lot of us, when we start out, we don't really want this path. We don't want to be responsible for our own actions. We don't, well, you know, we're not willing to really fully dig in just yet it's like we know something's wrong we know we can't keep going like this but we don't really want it we, like yeah. the, the idea of all that change is so scary that it yeah. makes the idea of accountability frightening I think for me yeah. I was like oh god you know I'm gonna have to give up all these things and I didn't realize what I was gonna get in return either totally mm-hmm. totally and I think that like the layers and the 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 I just can't say enough about how steeped in shame mm-hmm. you are when you've come to the end of your rope or to your crossroads mm-hmm. where you decide that alcohol isn't serving you or you need to try out, you know, going without it. That it's not just not putting a drink to your lips. It's not lying. It's not sneaking around. It's not tricking people and right. tricking yourself. Like I feel like we I, I say this all the time because I saw it on the internet and it really resonated with me. It's a picture of a back of a head and then this guy like sneaking out like a back door in the back of someone's head. And it's like, we're not addicted to drugs and alcohol. We're addicted to escaping reality. Yeah, that's so true. It is. And so like accountability to me is about making friends with reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and it sounds so simple, but in the beginning, it's so vast and it's hard to understand. And you're so scared because you're wrapped up in the chemical dependency mm-hmm. of it all and the emotional dependency, psychological mm-hmm. traps of mm-hmm. it all. And totally. And you don't know the life that you're living in. Like fish don't yeah. see the water they're swimming in. And so you think that you like yourself and you tell the truth. And you have high expectations of yourself and you have your priorities straight. And everybody else has these ridiculously high expectations of you. And all the while, and I've said this before, and I I just love this one. This one's a real zinger. You are judging yourself by your intentions while the world is judging you by your actions. Yeah, absolutely. And to, to unravel that and clean it out is overwhelming. Yeah, and it takes time. And I think like in this culture where we want everything yesterday, we don't realize how it's going to take some time to unfold and unpack and untangle all that, you know, mm-hmm. it's, it's, mm-hmm. it's definitely overwhelming and just daunting. Mm-hmm. Totally. What do you think were the best tools from the beginning for you for accountability? Because I feel like mine have changed. And it's so interesting because when you start looking up accountability online there's like all kinds of ways that people spin it and use it for leadership um you know training and things like that mm-hmm. but it's like 
you look it up and there's like three C's of accountability. What are the five C's account of accountability? What are the seven principles of accountability? I'm like, whoa. And then there's all industry specific things. But it it just, I guess more than anything, it just made me realize how um, flexible of a tool it is. Yeah. Because it, I think, you know, it applies, it's, it's not just a verb. It's not just a noun. You know, it's, it's like, it's a lot of things. For me, step one, the very first thing was that app. Because mm-hmm. I, I downloaded the I Am Sober app and I said, I'm going to count days and I'm just going to see how long I can go sober. I'm just going to see how long. And, and I wasn't counting the days. I was counting the fucking minutes. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> and I would hold that thing in my hand. And, and I remember, I remember posting on IAS four days sober and I was on a walk and there was like a cactus with like a bloom on it. And I was like, this is what four days of sobriety looks like. Look at the symbolism of the world. And like, I didn't, I didn't ever want to go back to zero. I'd already made four whole days. Yeah. Which seems like forever back then. Four days is like, you might as well be journeying through the the desert with no water. Absolutely. Painful. Yep. Absolutely. So that was, that's one of my very first accountability. And then I have to talk about my second one, which was, actually, I did this first. I did this before I logged onto that app. I reached out to everybody I know who is sober. Yeah. Because you have a lot of like lighthouses in your life with lots of sobriety. I have a lot. I have a lot. So um, I just texted them and I said, I think I want a seat at your table. I'm going to give this a try, which was horrifying. Is that all you get? Like, I want to see it at the table. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. Because that's that's how my aunt describes it. She, like, talks about her seat. Yeah. Like, she doesn't drink. I love her, but I'm going to. She doesn't drink kombucha because she thinks it's fence-sitting bed. It's too close to the line. It's fence-sitting bed. I don't want to give up my spa. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't. Whatever. I drink kombucha. But. Um, it. I called those people. I made a list of everybody I knew that doesn't drink alcohol, and I was like, like who "Were they like and how?" Because I mean, you and I know, but like, so your aunt's fifteen years sober through AA. Yeah, then yeah. You, uh, who else? I got my uncle who's eighteen, and he's not AA or anything. He's what they call spontaneous sobriety, like us, mm-hmm. where we didn't really go through a program. We decided to quit. We kept each other accountable, and we decided we wanted it more than we wanted to drink. Um, and then, um, my best friend, her name's Phoenix. She's on, I, I got her to go on IAM, but she was spontaneous. So where she, she decided to give it up for Lent and she's like, I don't think I'm going back. She's 106, she's 106 days ahead of me. And I was like, dude, we should get 106 tattooed. It'll be, she's like, dude, I'm going to get numbers tattooed on me. (laughs) Shout out to her. But she's 106 days ahead of, she, she gave it up for Lent and she decided to stay. And then my brother's best friend, his very biggest, best drinking buddy, he was, he's probably three years ahead of me. And mm. he just gave it up because his marriage was failing, his business was failing. And um, he gave it up and he's, he's amazing. I'd love to have him on here sometime. Oh, so be funny. funny. Yeah. He's awesome. He's, I think that's so, so cool and worth like side noting that you already had 
these like role models, sober role mm-hmm. models in your life that you could look at and say, wow, they look happy and they're, they don't drink, you know, and you could kind of see what that looked like, you know, because yeah. it's, it's hard. I think a lot of people when they're in the depths of the, you know, the, the drinking situation, they might not have that, you know, which I is- don't think I thought that they looked happy. Well, I think for the longest time, I actually thought they looked like they're missing. Oh, really? Interesting. I thought, I thought that they were, that they, they ruined their chances. They blew their wad and now they have to go without <laughs> and they're not free. I'm free. I'm yeah, right. That, I whole, want. that whole narrative. I never really looked at them and said, wow, they look happy. I just remember thinking I need to like the day I quit drinking is when I realized they're probably happier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I was just such an addict, you know, I mm-hmm. love it. So that kept me accountable because those people are in my family. Like they text me, they call me, Hey, how you doing? I can't, yeah. I can't what for that. Absolutely. But right. First of all, for me. Okay. So let's talk about your accountability. What was your early, earliest accountability? And how has it changed? Yeah. So definitely the I am sober app. But I noticed that that wasn't, even though that was great and it still keeps me accountable today, one thing I noticed was that it was fairly easy for me to um, not be accountable to strangers. Because even though I was getting a lot of feedback on there and support and like, you got this, I will not drink with you today, all this, mm-hmm. heart emojis, high five emojis, all that. It was easy for me to um, still like reset and kind of ghost. That was kind of my MO. I would reset and I would oh. ghost. And then I realized that I needed to make it more personal. So I reached out to one person that I had seen on the app um, that I knew was really involved. And I just asked him, do people reach out to one another on the app? Because I feel like, you know, I need something more one-on-one, you know, and I'm really scared. Oh, to wow. And, um, you know, I'm not sure that I'm ready for like a group, but I need something else because I don't think that this is really working for me, these accountability of strangers. And so he gave me his email and we started talking and, you know, he's got three plus years still and he's been a great um, role model uh, for me. Um, and, and that was like one of my first early accountability things because not so much that I felt like um, you know, I couldn't fail him or he wouldn't understand, but I just knew I needed something else. Like, uh-huh. you know, so it was great to talk to him and also hear and just to have somebody to reach out to. And I didn't reach out to him too much, but just the idea that I could reach out to him was totally, helpful, you know, totally. And that he was rooting for you. Yeah, exactly. You weren't just some avatar on the app. That exactly. Like I wasn't just a profile, for. you know? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. And and we ended up, I met him in person. He's Chef 56 for those IES listeners. That's but, cool. That's cool. You met him? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's, and also I knew he was from Indiana where I am from. And so I met him right after I hit around 100 days. I went and I was visiting my sister and I went to meet him. And so even just like that date on the calendar. So like other things that would help was like, I really wanted to get to, a certain day mark. It was like, okay, you know, 
here I am at the 30 days. Might as well, like, I'd be like at 40 days and I'm like, well, okay, I want to get to the 60 days. And then I just creep along and I wanted to get to that next milestone. Mm -hmm. So that, it was like those things kind of worked in tandem, you know? Did you get the thing with the milestones where people kind of hit the fuck it button after a milestone? They they go so hard for a milestone and then they go, well, I got a letter days. I just got that at the two year mark, even. Like, I felt like, you know, like my mind went, oh, well, you know, you wanted to do a year sober and you did too. So you kind of proved your point. (laughs) I mean, like, it's amazing what, and that's why we need accountability on all different levels and different, you know, accountability looks like different things self accountability, accountability to others, because. I mean, it's ultimately all self-accountability, right? But when we have other people that are rooting for us, that um, we're on this journey with, I think there's like a collective sobriety, a collective accountability that kicks in, if that makes sense. We're all kind of like staying sober for each other, you know, not just for ourselves. Mm -hmm. So that was like pretty cool because like I knew I was going to meet him. So I had to, I wasn't going to flake out then. And then the other thing just real quickly was about like four days in, um, I, my, um, emotional cactus was, was like getting my ther- a therapist involved. So I got, I got a therapist like four or so days in and I couldn't meet with her until like 10 days in. And to me, that seemed like forever between yeah. the two, you know, but oh, I was God. like, okay, I'm not going to hire, uh, an addiction therapist and then, you know, relapse at that point. You know, so yeah. even just staying accountable to that first uh, meeting, which was in person, right, um, right before everybody stopped meeting in person. Yeah, that was huge. Good for you for good. OK, this is me talking to the past you. Yeah. Cool. Good for you for staying sober for 10 days as you wait, awaited that addiction counselor meeting. Mm-hmm. Because I don't know why, but it popped into my head like if it were like a diet, yeah. I'd be like, "Well, I'm gonna go out." <laughs> exactly. And you were you like went in there with some some time under your some days under your belt, so that you had some actual material yeah. for the session. You didn't go in there and spend your hundred and fifty dollars bitching about how much shit you feel like. Yeah, you have to you you know. Yeah. And I don't know. So it's weird what I feel like counts as accountability now. But like, so I picked a pretty interesting sober date. I was like resetting all over the place. And I was kind of like, maybe an interesting sober date will help. That was like, I was grasping on straws. So I I picked like resetting so much. Yeah. So I picked like 10, 10, 20, 20. So that is cool and shit. And so when you look up some numerology stuff, you know, it's like, it depends on what you look at, but like the ones and the zeros represent like new beginnings and change. And I can't even remember it all now, but it vibed with me when I looked it up. So I didn't even want to reset just because I was like, I'm going to have to give up my sober date. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know? And that, Carol, that's a good one. Yeah. It's weird what works, you know, and that's the thing. And when I talk about like what's weird that works, you know, it's like I didn't expect. It's funny what ended up working. And like I got it on a little charm bracelet that came in the mail. And then I was like, I ordered that shit like day two. And I was like, the charm bracelet's coming, Cody. So I can't. (laughs) Charm bracelet, you know. 
Yeah, it was, it was dumb, kind of. Like, I thought that this was dumb. Like, as I'm doing it, I'm like, this is the stupidest shit ever. But it worked, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like, whatever gets you to, like, 30 to 60 days is huge. It's like, huge. you know, I don't care if you just, like, eat popcorn for a Absolutely. You know? Absolutely. If you, if you replace pints of beer with pints of ice cream, that's okay. Yeah, right. <laughs> Get through it. It's like the first trimester of pregnancy. It's like, just eat bread. <laughs> exactly. That's Who the fucking dream. cares? Just get there. Um, it's that when you're like, this stuff's stupid, but I'm still doing it. It's like, it's like what they say to dieters. It's like, you have to just go, well, what would a healthy person? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and you have to just like, fake it till you make it. Yeah, exactly. And just like, what would a sober person do? What a sober person go out to my coworker's birthday at a bar uh you know on 10 days sober yeah Probably not. exactly you know? what a sober that's, person that's like a whole other topic like what you say to people that should be the next one but <laughs> no. but like i i can i just yeah. jump in i was at a christmas yeah. party over the um weekend and i it's not that i failed to tell them it just felt it just felt like I would make them kind of uncomfortable if I told them that I was sober. Oh. So we're at this girl's house. We're all around her kitchen island. And the one girl is like, do you want me to make you a drink? Did you get a drink yet? And I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm good. I'm good. And the host, she knows. She's, she's like one of my best friends. She knows. She's, I'm like, I probably just need some water. And she's like, boom, gets me some water, you know? Yeah. And the other girl's like, are you sure? Like, I make really good drinks. I made mules for everybody. I make really good drinks. And I was like, are you? And I just kind of started like, bantering with her because mm-hmm. i didn't everybody was like looking at me and i didn't want to be like well i don't drink joanna because i yeah. feel like she would have felt like oh fuck sorry yeah 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 you know like the telemarketer that called today and i had to say uh no margaret's dead margaret's been dead for four years now and she was like <laughs> oh god sorry <laughs> like i didn't want her to feel like she had failed like she had missed something yeah like, yeah enough for me to go nah girl i'm good i'm gonna have some water yeah, and then maybe yeah. later someone could be like she doesn't drink but don't worry she can handle being offered a drink multiple times yeah like, for sure. i didn't want her to think that i yeah of course i mean you know it sounded like it was a nice exchange and it wasn't worth you know beating a dead horse about it or even but yeah i know yeah, it's hard hearing hearing her say sorry like no girl it's fine it's fine yeah exactly I want to talk about the one thing about accountability. Yeah, yeah. When um, when you, like, reach out to someone to kind of help hold you accountable. Laura McCowan. She, mm-hmm. I just finished her book for the oh, second so time. So good. And she's like, when she talks about AA, she's like, there's things I didn't like and there's things that I really liked. And she's like, but the one thing I can say is I was held accountable. And I, in that, I was held so tenderly more yeah. tenderly than i ever thought i deserved yeah. and more tenderly than i really had ever allowed anyone to hold me and i love that because accountability isn't just showing up weighing in what'd you do right what'd you do wrong it's like they're you're being held held mm-hmm. no i love that i loved her book it was so i didn't know what i thought 
it was going to be, but We Are the Luckiest, definitely a beautiful read, just so powerful and uh, painful at times, but very mm-hmm. real mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and inspiring, you know, because you do end up realizing that we are the luckiest those on this sober path. So oh, such a great place to be. It's so sad. All the people who think that we're missing out. Shiki always says, you get two lives. And you only get your second one when you realize you only have one. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Good. Um, I feel like accountable is also like a noun. Mm-hmm. It's like something that you bear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I remember early on, I wanted to be just more accountable person and a mom, a mother, because I have young children and I wanted to be the mom that people could count on, my kids could count on, that the school, you know, that I'd gotten the email and responded and filled out the sh- paperwork, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. That goes along with it. And the people that they could go, hey, we need a volunteer for the thing. Will you come? Like, because they know that they can count on me. Absolutely. Because I don't know about you, but like whenever I was into the heavy drinking, like I was always forgetting shit. I was always the one running in late. I was always the one being like, oh, yeah, that thing you asked me about four times. Sorry. Yeah, I forgot again. You know? <laughs> and it just made me feel terrible. Yeah. It makes you feel terrible. And you're steeped in shame. And nobody wants to hear how crazy that they need a leave. I know, right? No one wants to fucking hear that, so don't ever say it to me because guess what, bitch? I'm not going to say it to you. (laughs) I know, and that's the thing. It's like my life feels, well, some some things are easier, some things are more chaotic, but I'm balancing just as much overall stuff, and it feels a lot more calm and doable just because I'm not drowning everything in alcohol and it's not ramping up my anxiety to a level totally you know totally and you're not doing that like what they call firehouse management Mm -hmm. where you're basically doing whack-a-mole with the next thing that comes up and you're giving all your energy to that yeah absolutely you know and then you other things start to fail because you're so you turn to those and then these other things start to fail it's like it's a very reactive existence versus a proactive existence. And yeah, mm-hmm. it's totally different vibe. And I think course. when you are an accountable person, when you're accountable, you have ownership of all of those things. Mm-hmm. And you have like agency over all of them at the same time. And you have okay. responsibility. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that when I was drinking, I kind of shooked responsibility. Like, mm-hmm. Oh, well, that was because the roads were icy. That was because the thing didn't come. That's because the Secretary of State is, she has her head up her ass. It's like, no, <laughs> you have your head up your ass. Feels like we build on these tools, right? <laughs> um, you know, all the accountability things like the charm bracelet and the sober date, all that stuff for me is still working. And I'm just building on these tools because. As my sober tools evolve, so does my crazy alcohol brain. So my narrative will change as I go along. And like I was saying, in two years, my mind came up with something new to be like, oh, look, see, you made it to two years. You couldn't do that if you had a problem, you know, so forever inventing new 
rationalizations for, and I'm hoping this is starting to go away just because my acceptance of this path is deepening and nice, you know, which is nice. Um, because I think everybody's acceptance journey is, can be completely different. Some people are like day one and never drinking again. Whereas other people like myself might be like, I mean, we'll see. Yeah, exactly. And that's, that can undermine you, of course. But I just wonder for you, um, what other things um, hold you accountable or how have these tools changed or what's that look like? I think for me, get ready for an obscure analogy. Yeah, of this course. Works. Bring it on. For me, it was like I was learning to ride a bicycle and I had training wheels. Mm-hmm. And those were my early, I would check in on that app every day. I would post really often um, and I'd be in contact with my sober people. So those were like the training wheels that were like keeping me sober. Mm-hmm. And then eventually the training wheels just sort of fell away mm-hmm. and I began to feel that feeling of like the wind in my hair. Yeah. Yeah. And that thing that I'm, that I'm clinging to, that I hold fast to is that feeling of just freedom and the rush of living a full life with a open heart, you know? And so like it's, it is, it's like the gifts of sobriety are really what compelled me. Mm-hmm. And if ever I feel tempted, um, I just have a little script I go through where I'm like, yeah, it's one drink, but you're going to hate yourself. You're yeah. going to give up so much. Like you're going to, you're going to have anxiety. You're going to be stressed. Your kids are going to be let down. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're just going to, it's not worth it. It's not mm-hmm. worth all of this that you've built. It's not worth it. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of like, yeah, and I'm, and I'm good. That's what, that's what's for now. So yeah, the training wheels to the wind in my hair. I love that thing. analogy. I think that's a great analogy because I mean, at some point you do have to rely on yourself and at some point you do have to let go of the training wheels. And, you know, it's in the beginning, I do think all the other people hold us accountable and the groups and the apps and the tools. But yeah, I mean, I feel like I feel greater pride, I guess, as well, um, knowing that I can just rely on myself and that I don't. I mean, I it's tricky for me because I can be one of those people that's a little bit of a lone wolf. And I've even recently and I'll be very like, I don't need other people. I don't need that many friends. I'm kind of good. You know, I'm so self-sufficient. But I even realized that. um other people, even, you know, new people that I talk to in sobriety, all that really helps me stay accountable still because, you know, it's more of a, um, it's, it's more of like just a greater issue with myself, maybe being a little bit too vulnerable if I'm too isolated, if that makes sense. Absolutely. But, but yeah, I mean, even understanding that and having greater awareness of my vulnerabilities is a is a source of self-growth for me and makes me feel like I'm moving on and and letting go at the same time which is which is great because I mean I gotta be honest like even like last week or two I was like this close like I my my mind was like really hammering at home like 
I think it's just maybe the holidays as well. Yeah. And watching so many people consume and reset. Yes. I had this little tricky few days where my mind was like, I mean, it's just one drink, you know? And it's really hard to pull yourself out of that sometimes. Um, and and that's where I feel like I have to dig deep and really Can we talk about it? Like were yeah. were, you, were you were you um like happy or sad? Like what what state were you in that, that I was pre menstrual. My eyes just dropped. And did you want a quick fix? What I did you want? I think you want to have more fun. Did you want to escape? What did you want? I think the way I, it took me a few days to hone in on this. Um, and, but I did, I think that there's still this small, but powerful part of my mind that wants to prove to myself that having one drink would not be the end of the world. It's like a prove it to myself thing. And, and that can be hard when that gets going in my mind. It can be like, and it's almost like this feeling of like, even though we all said goodbye, we all had enough alcohol to, to justify a goodbye forever, right? Like, mm -hmm. I had so many goodbyes. This is my last drink, man. This will be it. Mm -hmm. You know, I had so many of those professions, you know, to myself. And, and I always went back to it. But still, it gets tricky, you know, and I'll think to myself, you know, just one, and then I'll say goodbye for good. You know, and it's I recognized that that's just a small part of my mind, something going on there, and I don't let it become me. You know, that's the thing. Like I don't, I. But um, for me, because you, it's a thing. It's a thought. It's this. Yeah, it's thing a thought. That's right. Floating in the air. It's not in your skin. Right. Exactly. Good job. Like, I can, good I job. Can, yeah, I can recognize that it's just a thought form that's going on and something, an old coping mechanism, maybe who knows. Um, but I can kind of like put it off to the side and analyze it and not let it take over. But even still, I find, you know, there's somebody that we know, he, um, that is the founder of this, uh, Silvertown website. He's always yeah. saying that the attic voice is like doing push-ups in the background, mm -hmm. just waiting yep. And I kind of feel like that sometimes, mm -hmm. like I'll be doing really well and I'll feel like I've let go of, you know, a whole bunch of new things. And then there'll be just like a little um, voice in my mind, the attic voice will re come back out of nowhere. And if I don't shut it down right away, it'll like grow there and, mm -hmm. become, mm -hmm. and create like a bigger argument that I have to get through. Totally. Um, and sometimes it's really easy for me to shut it down. Like I've heard that, seeing that, moving on, you know? Yeah. And then yeah. other times if I'm vulnerable, maybe if I'm tired or if I'm just, who knows, like I'm just in a mood, I'll, it'll, it's like, I'll let that argument play out. Well, let me see what the two sides will say, you know? <laughs> and that's always not a good way. I mean, I'm recognizing it's much easier for me to just shut those down and move on. But I, yeah, sometimes it gets me. And a couple of weeks ago, it got me and it was there. But thankfully, I do have tremendous um, accountability, sense of accountability to myself and others. And I just kind of let it uh, play itself out and I was able to let it go. Yeah. What's the thing? What's the thing that makes you not drink? What's the thing that like cinched it? 
So I'm talking to some people in newer sobriety. Um, if you're on the app, you're always talking to people who have reset and they're going through their things. And just to hear the level of chaos in their voices and in their messages, um, I never want to go back to that. Even letting that one drink in. If I let that in, that's going to open the door back to that chaos. And so it's really easy for me once I think that through, it's kind of like that, you know, that not the spiel, but like that process that you enact in your head. Like once I think about the door opening back to that chaos, I'm like, no. <laughs> and it's easier for me to shut that. Um, I have a new friend and she's 18 years sober. Oh, yeah. And she and I have kind of forged this cool partnership because I am an accountable volunteer for her. Oh, yeah. Um, she runs a children's theater uh, company. Company. Duh. Yeah. And my daughter's been in a couple of her plays, but in the past few months, almost about a year, um, since my, my baby's a little bit older, I'm able to kind of volunteer and jump in to the things my daughter does. Anyway, this gal, she's the director. She runs the company. She's been doing it for 10 years. And um, I just jumped on to like whatever sell concessions at intermission and i did an amazing job and so she keeps asking me back and i just have forged this kind of partnership with her where i'm kind of on her sounding board and anyway we meet up and talk about stuff and she's 18 years sober that's awesome and we always talk about sobriety it's such so awesome to have someone in my real life that just so happens to be sober do you know what mm -hmm. i mean yeah. And I don't know why, but we were talking about thinking about drinking. And she goes, well, here's the thing. When you get hit by a train, it's not the caboose that kills you. It's mm -hmm. the engine. It's not the last drink that takes you down. It's the first one. Yeah. That's a great analogy. I love that. I was like, wow. Because... Because, yeah, I think it's rational to think, well, maybe I can just drink one drink now. I can moderate, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever. But it's like, if you keep that in mind, that it's the first, it's not the last drink. The first yeah. drink. And I didn't just understand that. I used to think, well, how could one drink kill somebody? Well, because those of us in this circle can't have one drink. Yeah. I love that Robert Downey Jr. quote out there that goes something like, um, it's not hard to stop drinking. What's hard is not starting again. And I always keep that in mind because I, I thought, you know, I That's think a good one. Mm -hmm. And I think too, there, what is hard at the big milestones. And I don't know if you get this, but, um, I just, sometimes there will be this feeling of, um, you've learned a lot, you know, you wouldn't make the same mistakes, you know, all kinds of different mm -hmm. rationalizations that go in there. But to be 100% honest, when I, I think these are all just old ways of thinking. Like when I actually sit myself down and say, do you really even want to drink right now? The answer is no. You know, mm -hmm. I don't really want a drink, but it's mm -hmm. something in my mind that's, that's been used to saying that so many years, you know, totally. that it just comes totally. back up. So, yeah. And also, you are bombarded with messages from the media every 
fucking, you get like 40 every millisecond or whatever the stats are. Yeah. Of that alcohol makes you adventurous and fun and exotic and sexy and cool and makes you, it, it amplifies your fun. There's and some. So those, are, those are deeply embedded in our subconscious and they have been ever since we were children. It's so scary to think. And there's this one, there's like a ad for a new liquor store, some monster liquor store. That comes on every morning. No shit. It's 7.45 exactly during mm -hmm. the news. And we can hear the jingle. We're like, there it is. No. <laughs> and then first time we were both like, oh, God, really? 7.45 in the morning? Yay. And then like, late, you know, now it's like we've seen it so many times. It's like completely non-triggering. <laughs> yeah. But it's, I mean, it's out there and it's embedding itself in people's brains while they're putting on their, while they're brushing their teeth for their day. They're going, all right, let's. Set the clock for that cocktail later today. The whole reason I'm doing anything I'm doing right now is so I can get to that damn cocktail at 5 p.m. You know, I was just thinking what might be a good um, topic to kind of like end on or thought to end on is, you know, there are people who start in on this journey and we all slip. We all reset at some point on this journey. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, what do you think is some really helpful knowledge and advice for someone who has reset however many times um, and they're thinking I I don't know how to establish my accountability and or I've ruined my accountability right because sometimes when we're you know if you said to your family I want a seat at the table and then you went and slipped after that you know how would you have recovered do you think from well, I think there'd be a tremendous amount of shame. I'd be scared mm -hmm. to ask for a spot back, even though I know, because I'm on that side now, they would welcome me with open arms. Yeah. But you begin to feel so ashamed that you quit trying and you sort of establish a repertoire of failure there. You've established, you've opened the door that you're, go you're allowed to fail there. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know? I I don't. I, I I always say, like, you have to want it bad enough. You mm -hmm. have to want. And let me just, let me just clarify my credentials here. Okay. I've been sober for about two and a half years. However, I am ragingly, flamingly, actively addicted to sugar. <laughs> and no, you're not. I'm the one drinking this chai sugar right here. Every time I interact with sugar or think about quitting it or am faced with having just a half a cookie at the party mm -hmm. i i'm brought back to all of my like addict knowledge yeah and i am hello my name is sarah and i am a chronic sugar reset uh sugar sobriety failure mm -hmm. chronic for years, uh, I binge and then I quit. I can't eat a half a cookie at a party. Yeah, I yeah. I can't. I Me can't. either. And so it's not like I'm up here on this high horse, you know, talking about like, well, I just have to mean enough to you. You just have to want it bad enough. You have to feel the wind in your hair. It has to matter to you because it's like, obviously... 
not being addicted to sugar doesn't matter enough to me. You know, mm-hmm. I don't want it bad enough. I'll just start next Monday. <laughs> after the holidays, I'll go big. Right? I'll detox after the holidays. So it's it's really, I know what I'm saying about alcohol because I've found wine and I will fuck it. But with sugar, like the things I'm saying, not really that substantial. It's a little bit different with sugar, right? Because, I mean, it is addictive. I think sugar is addictive 100%. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Because the more you have, the more you want. You just like, you, it just calls back to you. Mm-hmm. And I try to use like sourdough bread as my like methadone for sugar. <laughs> I'm going to quit sugar, but I'm going to allow myself to eat a slice of toast at every meal. I love that because I love bread. It should have a bread thing on the app, a bread addiction on the mm-hmm. sober app. They might. You never know. Honestly, I don't think sugar is really all that different from alcohol because it's damaging to your body. It's, I mean, I don't think that, I don't know if it's damaging to your relationships, but maybe it is because when we, we have active, I mean, I sneak sugar. I eat sugar alone in my kitchen. I hide from my children. Yes. And eat sugar in the corner. Are you like, so there's three cookies left. Take them all. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, I lie. Oh, I'm all the oh, less to eat them. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. And it's, it's just like alcohol. It's one of those things that's like pushed and so widely accepted mm-hmm. by society. So I don't know where. Well, how how to stay accountable after you've reset a bunch of times? I think what I noticed from talking to some sober, some newly alcohol-free individuals, that they do feel that shame and they almost feel reluctant to, like, even vocalize what they're going through. Like, I think that there's always a chance to reset your accountability as well. Mm-hmm. Just like there is to reset your intentions with alcohol or any substance, there's always mm-hmm. the opportunity to start over and to become, you know, and and to re-pledge or recommit to our own um, responsibilities, you know, mm-hmm. because I think like in mo- many of us who struggle with these substance use things, whether it's sugar or whatever, we often struggle with like an all or nothing component of it as well you know so um we tend to think like if i'm not going to be 100 percent sober 100 percent of the time you know what's the point or something like that and i think um there has to be a greater level of self-compassion and and even just willingness to to fail you know because Mm -hmm. i think those of us who are struggle with all or nothing thinking we're real hard on ourselves when we when we um when we fail yeah. is what I'm trying to say but uh for me i i find that i don't want to fail and i am a bit of a ple- people pleaser so that is its own form of accountability for me um i don't want to fail um there's a portion of that in there um but I also find it very comforting to know that if I did fail, quote unquote fail, that I yeah. would be able to recover my accountability, just like I'm recovering myself in this process of addiction recovery. Yeah, totally. 
I think that um, it sounded like with, with your story where you were resetting and resetting and then you kind of found something that worked, like mm-hmm. the date. I love that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love, I got married on 8808. Like, cool. I love dates. Yeah. <laughs> My baby was born on 21313. Oh, I mean, so- I couldn't plan that, but I was stoked. Um, I think that like the key for accountability or at least just like lasting commitment to something yeah. is that you have to build a life that you want to go toward. Right. Instead of focusing on this thing that you want to go away from. Because right. then it just continues to chase you. And you you want to build, you know, because a lot of early sobriety is about like rituals and habit and um, journaling and just like self-care because you're you're building a life from which you don't need to escape. Mm-hmm. And you're also replacing that behavior and that activity with something that's meaningful so that you're not like having to stay accountable for white knuckling one more day absolutely you're 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 kind of letting it fade into your rearview mirror Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i guess in a short answer that's that's that there could be the potential for some fun in all this right because Mm -hmm. like for me and I, th- I think it's important to discover what tools work for each person. Like for me, the idea of like the date and the sober bracelet and, and all the things were really helpful to me. And that was all fun. It was like I loved getting that in the mail and being like, OK, here, I'm starting this. I'm doing this, you know, <laughs> and it, even though it's just a little charm and a little date stamped on there, it's not set in stone. Nothing is really. Yeah. Being it's still provided me with the little bit of momentum that I needed yeah. and that I could look at. And so maybe it's not the sobriety bracelet. Maybe it's something else, you know. But um, you invested. Even right. if it was even if it was twenty dollars, you invested the time and the space and the energy right. into making it come to be. Oh, yeah. And that's a good point too. And speaking of investment. So yeah. I'm not recommending this. For everyone, but um, there are, you know, so there are paid recovery programs out there for people who are not going inpatient or outpatient, but they still want support. And um, like, for instance, I know Monument has a paid plan, which I did not know about, by the way, and I am not affiliated with Monument at all. What is Monument? It's a online recovery community and you can join for free. Um, Mm -hmm. They have um, Zooms just like. Um, I am sober does officially, but um, actually I thought I would have loved to know about this program because they offer um, physician support to people who don't want to uh, maybe go to the regular physician to get the um, naltrexone or whatever it's called um, to help with alcohol cravings. And then you can also pay for therapy. And I think even at their biggest price point, it's like 200 something a month, which is a lot. I'm not saying it isn't. But if you're going to invest in out-of-pocket therapy like I did. That's that's per session. Sometimes. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's an so, hour. So that's the other component of it that I didn't think about before. But when you start investing money in your recovery, that is in, in itself another great form of accountability because you're like, well, I don't want to waste this money that I just spent on myself to make myself better. 
not just mm-hmm. going to like renege. So that's something that could be, you know, if if um, budget is is available for people. Yeah. To, like I bought the something that was like $900 for the year Tempest program. And I could have just bought the monthly, whatever it was. But I was like, no, I'm buying the year because part of it was like, well, I'm not going to renege now because I'm yeah, just yeah, like yeah. $900, you know? So. And do you think that was helpful to you? I do. I mean, it was helpful for about the first six months. And then after that, I don't know that I got the full $900 worth. I mean, in a way, right? It depends on how you look at it. Like, You're here now. Right. I'm here now. So there's that. I was willing to throw whatever I could at it. And I mean, money was very much an object to me and still yeah. is. So it's not like I'm not one of those people rolling in all kinds of money that that was, um, you know, easy to do. But yeah, that's part of the reason that it made it such a great tool for me because it was it was a significant investment that I didn't want to, that wouldn't be easy for me to just throw away. So yeah, like a gym membership for people who want to lose weight. Like you, exactly, you commit. So those are all the cool tools. But you know, there's mm-hmm. so many more. There's like infinite, I'm sure, ways to be accountable. Totally. I mean, just this is accountability. I know. It so is. It so is. And I think sometimes if I were to slip, it's not like I would lose all my friends in sobriety, like my Mm -hmm. IAS people. But I would definitely, I don't know, kind of lose my footing, you know? And, Mm -hmm. And like, I really value the relationships I've made all over the world. Yeah, absolutely. With people who are going through this journey to find accountability and transparency in themselves. Yeah, and I bet you'll you'll agree with this too, but like, I feel like that someone maybe in early sobriety who's listening to this, this could potentially be overwhelming the idea of all these things that you might have to be committed to. But to me, we're talking about a slow rollout of different accountability tools over two plus years. Mm-hmm. And and all the things that I've gained, like you say, the friends from around the world, the amazing therapist led me to self-growth and learn all these things that I didn't know about myself, like mm-hmm. self-defeating thought behaviors and things that were kind of underlying my addiction problems. Uh, there are all kinds of like, tremendous um returns on your investment here i guess is what i'm saying totally for me like one of the biggest ones is like the accountability itself because when you're Uh accountable to yourself you are worthy of um the truth you're worthy of living in the light and telling the truth and holding something for because way back when you're in that active addiction like you hate yourself, you're steeped in shame, you're living in lies, and you're not really that worthy of anything. Mm-hmm. And so the fact that you're that you decide to hold yourself accountable because you're worth it alone, it's like kind of hard to wrap your head around at first, but it's honestly the strongest one. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, for People who might be listening to this who are looking for the specific tools we are talking about, we'll post those in our show episode notes. And when she says we, she means she will. (laughs) I will do it. (laughs) Because there are really just tremendous individuals out there 
willing to give their time and, Mm -hmm. you know, their experiences and share and get you started on that journey and make you feel held. And as you said before, with the A experience that Laura McCowan had, and Mm -hmm. there are just so many resources and communities. So we'll post a bunch of those. I will post a bunch of those (laughs) show notes. And anyone can email our our email, which is soberbaddies at gmail.com. Yeah. Or ideas or anything Mm -hmm. else they want to Yeah, just you just want to reach out and be like, hey guys, can you use less cuspers or (laughs) talk more about uh, your skincare routine, whatever, whatever. <laughs> they haven't ever seen pictures. Well, I guess there's pictures on the website. This is such an amazing topic that I don't really think we could ever stop talking about. We probably because should stop talking about it. We definitely should. But it's just, it's just, it it can just exponentially expound on itself. Oh, I do. I'm, that's the thing that keeps, that's when you were saying like, what keeps you not drinking so many things. But like the other thing is just, the excitement that I have after I got over that blip of what I experienced, that's the good thing that is so awesome about shitty craving moments in sobriety. Because when you break through that and you go through the other side, it's like profound, you know? Oh, yeah. And and you're better for it. Absolutely. You're not like, whatever, I'll drink. I'll start back tomorrow. I'll be right back where I was. It's like, no, you won't. You'll be right back at the start. Not to think too forward about my existence because I try to see in the prison, but like as much as I can. But I do, yeah. I do sometimes get so excited. Like, what more am I going to learn? What, who will I become? Like, what greater tools will I have? Like, at the five year mark and so on. And, you know, and I'll be able to look back and say, man, I remember when that was hard, but here I am now. Totally. Totally. So, yeah, you've been hanging with the Soper Baddies. Thanks for thanks for dropping in. And um, this is Elaine Skyler Neal. And this is Sarah Malloy. And we're the Sober Baddies. See you next time. See you next time.